Episode 906. The season mercifully ended when the Green Bay Packers were shut out by the Detroit Lions for the first time at Lambeau Field since 1970. So who's the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, coming to you live from Wisconsin's capital city in Madison, here at Birock Bar and Restaurant. I'm your host, Brian Kervu, joined by my co-host, Ben Hofferman. Ben, how are you doing today? Greetings. Greetings 2019. Greetings, Cheesehead. Yes. Nation. 2019. What's left of you? Yeah. I got this weird clicking sound. You hear that? How much have you been? How much did you drink yesterday? <laughs> I did drink a lot yeah, on New Year's Eve. I don't hear anything. Yeah. Okay. We'll just continue on. I sorry if there's any oh, there technical. Was. Yeah. I don't know what this. Oh low, no, I, I drank a lot last night too. Sorry. Low level clicking noises here. Hopefully it's not too annoying for our listeners. Hopefully uh, the analysis will be much more annoying to you. So Ben, your reactions to a thirty-one to nothing loss in the season finale. That, that was the worst game of the year. It wasn't the worst loss of the year, but I mean, I had to watch. I watched that thing twice. It was so painful to watch that again. They're just. <laughs> I scored 19 plays positively for the Packers, and it, there's 11 opportunities there. Every play has got 11 players playing. I could score them positively <laughs> on every play, right? Yeah. At least 19 times did I say that. Yeah. That was a positive play for that one person. Yeah. Ouch. I mean, if there's two things I learned, I think the first thing is. The Orville is on on Thursdays at 9, 8 central. <laughs> that, they, they plug that constantly. That was the only thing going on. We would punt, and they'd show us the Orville. And what is that show all about? Is it supposed to be an action show? Is it supposed to be funny? I have no idea. Why is this called a freaking Orville? Um, and I think the only other thing we learned is that there's a lot of bitter Packer fans. Did you see the Kickstarter for uh, feeding Pat McAfee quaaludes? <laughs> I have not. What did you think of his analysis? It was interesting. It was divisive. Divisive. I think a lot of people in the country liked it. They liked that John Madden off-the-cuff type yeah. thing. I, not with Dennis Miller. He got crucified. But I think a lot of the Packer fans were annoyed. No, I don't know. I liked it, but I mean, I don't know. I was kind of paying attention on and off, so I didn't maybe hear everything he said. I mean, if you don't mind the pot questioning the kettle's cleanliness for a bit, that guy loves to yak. <laughs> He would drop some knock-knock jokes at the wake. And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not signing the change.org blood oath that started in Sheboygan to remove his tongue. I'm kind of excited about it, really, because if all you have to do is mention J.K. Scott's baby face to get on the air, then you can consider this my two-week notice, Brian. I take that back. Oh, the sinking feeling of instant regret. Can I still be on next year? Do I still get half-price beer rocks on podcast days? Punters are people, too. That's yeah. That's what I've been hearing. <laughs> I don't believe it. Yeah. But there was. I mean, I've, as you can see, I have nothing to say about the game. It was awful. <laughs> I mean, we had 13 yards in the first quarter. Rogers played the whole quarter. I mean, that's not our excuse. From there on out, obviously, we didn't have a whole lot going. But man, it did not get any better. So, so what are you going to do with all your free time in January since the Packers aren't in the playoffs? I mean, is there something? 
Oh. Are you going to fill your time now? Oh, we're getting personal. Well, I am neither proud nor ashamed to say that I will be watching a lot of New Japan Pro Wrestling. If, you, if, if you're not watching that and you like wrestling, you're making a mistake. I also have a Trivial Pursuit game going with my girlfriend that uh, I hope to finish by April. We're playing the original <laughs> edition, and, and we're both just need to get the entertainment by. Yeah. And, like, one of these times I'm going to guess Julie Garland's middle name or, like, what Jimmy Stewart's occupation was in, like, So Long Regret or whatever. Freaking. Oh, you got to stay happy. That was the last one. Oh, man. That's the hardest pie to get. Um, and then I'm sure I'll walk through a Walgreens and um, against my better judgment, and I'll see an old lady in an unseasonable tank top hacking up a lung and shambling a cart of menthols and hostess treats, <laughs> and I'll just go into a subconscious depression for a month and a half and live the same day over and over, each one seeming another nail in the coffin of my inevitable de- demise. Yeah. There you go. How about you? <laughs> this is your Packers analysis show well, right they, here. They saw the game. They knew, like, <laughs> they're going to have nothing to talk about. Yeah. I, would, I will fill my time bartending. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, all right. See, seeing as we don't really need to, well, we're going to do the chips report here and, and revisit this loss once again in a few minutes. I can't but... wait to see how you're going to pull together a chips report on this one. <laughs> Just wait. Um uh, let, let's saying a little more applicable to our listeners here who are probably interested in wondering now what the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers will be, who it'll be. Um, let's play a little word association here. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out all these names who are like candidates for the head coaching job. It's either been reported that they've interviewed or will interview, or they've reached out to interview them or something. So are you ready with this? Well, you said it's going to be applicable, and now you're saying it's going to be word association. So, like, because that means, like, the first thing that pops into my head, I yeah. say to you, okay, well, yeah. I have to warn our uh, listeners once again, this may not be applicable. But <laughs> everyone, in the, everyone that paid to go watch the Packers, they gave up on the game and just did the wave for three quarters. So, anyway, let's just, let's just go ahead with it. I'll do, I'll do my best. Yeah, I feel bad for the people that were at Lambeau Field for that game. All right, let's start with uh, the guy who's the interim head coach, Joe Philbin. Uh, oh, uh, punt. When the ball, when life hands you lemons, punt at your fifty. Uh, <laughs> shorts, crew socks, and sandals. Earl Grey tea. <laughs> Joe Philbin. All that's, right, that's what I think. I oh, he, he he can't be our coach. Okay, uh, Jim Caldwell, Beloit, Beloit oh. Wisconsin native and former Super Bowl, uh, not winning coach, but he coached in a Super Bowl with the Colts. Well, yeah, I was gonna say. Certainly not as a head coach, because he coached for the Lions. Have never been, even been to the Super Bowl. <laughs> First thing that pops into my head is just confusion. Just him in a Lions uniform just looking confused. Confusion <laughs> in Detroit. Confusion in Detroit. All right, uh, Chuck Pagano. Lazarus. Uh, <laughs> Lazarus. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the league, you know, anyone who knew him, they, they, apparently he's a really nice guy. Everyone was kind of heartbroken when he got leukemia, and he's back. Just man. like we don't even talk about it anymore. Like who gets leukemia and is just like back full strength, man. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, and I also immediately picture Tony Dungy, the friendly bat, like talking about how he's such a nice guy. <laughs> Dan Campbell, uh, who coincidentally was the Miami Dolphins interim head coach when he took over for Joe Philbin. Oh, man. There's a wow. Yeah, if Joe Philbin's not good enough, let's get his replacement. <laughs> First thing that pops into my head when I think of him are biceps and bad soup. <laughs> bad soup. Campbell's, man. Campbell's. What are the, the, people always make fun of the, the chicken that goes into chicken nuggets and, and like, McChickens. Yeah. What about those little 
cubes that oh go in the, the, the chicken noodle soup, and you get like three of them. Those are pretty bad. All right, next name, Mike Munchak, uh, former Titans head coach. Maybe it's just because I'm sitting in here. I just immediately think of like a Belgian triple. Munchak, it sounds like a rich-bodied beer with like a multi finish. I'm not <laughs> sure what Mike Munchak's mouthfeel is, but I think uh-uh. he would be a – I'm more interested in him as a uh, prospective coach than the others. I feel slightly worse about not having real analysis for Mike Munchak versus the others. I'm kind of throwing them out. Okay. Um, Brian Flores, uh, Patriots defensive coordinator. Once again, I'm going unapplicable. His name just makes me think of uh, the, the fluoride you got to swish around when you're at the dentist. And you're, and you're a kid, and like your cheeks get sore, and they just keep like telling you, keep swishing it around. Oh, man. I hated the fluoride treatment. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Don't tell me they did it different up in Crivets. You had to like put a horse hoof in your mouth for an hour. So you you hear the name Flores and think of fluoride. Fluoride. Mike okay. Fluoride. Got it. Josh McDaniels, former uh, former Broncos head coach and current Patriots offensive coordinator. Next Packers head coach. That's what the first thing I think of. I that's to me. I I just see him as being our next head coach. I don't know if that's the best fit, but that, that's what yeah. I think of right away. It's okay. Like, I can't get over. He's I'll, my front. He's the front runner, not as the my pick, but who I think is going to. I just can't get over the fact that he failed in Denver. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're you're going to be dealing with a lot of people that have failed somewhere. You know, <laughs> true. I mean, that kind of. <laughs> if we if we want Super Bowl winning coaches, we just fired one. Right. I mean, sometimes you're just not a, a good fit someplace. I feel like that's kind of the boat McCarthy was in. I think he's going to be a good coach for somebody. <laughs> you hear he might be the next head coach of the Browns? I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. It really yeah. does. Interesting. Uh, Matt LaFleur, uh, I believe this is the Titans offensive coordinator. He was a goalie in Calgary, right? <laughs> yeah, with he, a last name like LaFleur. I also think of the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Yeah. Once I'm throwing it back to the wrestling. No, uh, WWF, yeah. 19, early 1990s. I remember them. Yeah. Finally, Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern head coach. Okay, just because uh, of his appearance, he, I immediately think of if Chandler graduated from West Point. That's Pat Fitzgerald. <laughs> you know, it's like, a, it's like if Chandler just like had uh, i don't know chandler from friends yeah yeah chandler from friends if he graduated from west point like had to get bulked up and <laughs> brainwashed okay. by the academy like that's pat fitzgerald all right there we go so there's your analysis on the cast of characters that could be the next packers head coach you think it'll be one of those guys or like is the hire going to come out of left field i'm i'm just going to be brutally honest i've I have no real feeling for this. Yeah. Josh Neither do I. It just like strikes me like gut reaction yeah. is like, oh, yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I, don't I, know I really have fit. no feeling on this either. So, I mean, most coaching searches I don't. Like, I probably felt the same way back when they hired Mike McCarthy and Mike Sherman and Mike Holmgren before that. Just like, I don't know. It takes a level of, of obsession I'm not ready for. Yeah. I got to finish that True Real Pursuit game, y'all. All right, 
Uh, we're going to talk to Andrew Mertig of Packers Talk about some more He'll know. actual Green Bay Packers talk here in a moment. But we got to run through our, our season finale chips report oh, here. here that it was tough to find. It, we got to find like four players for the blue chips and the red chips. I don't know how I did this here. Your blue chip players for this game, linebacker Antonio, Antonio Morrison. This is the only one where I feel reasonably certain you did not pull the name out of a hat. <laughs> I think the others, you had some sort of like yeah, just random, random number yeah. generator that, that spat out the name for you. R- Antonio Morrison played well. I thought uh, he was used well by Petten. He had a lot of good uh, blitz calls, and he made the most of those. Um, on some stunts, he'd come up and he'd actually make a tackle, which was uh, not the, uh, the most common thing to happen on Sunday. Um, but he reminds me a lot of Blake Martinez. He, he doesn't impress me a whole lot. But he plays with more aggression. He doesn't sit back yeah. and wait for the play to happen. He goes. You know, maybe he's not making the right play every time. You know, he's got some. He's got to get some more experience. But I like his aggression, and I think he played well. He was the only person that stuck out when I watched the game live. I was like, oh, Antonio Morrison. He's having a pretty good game. Yeah, uh, six tackles, two of them for a loss. Uh, they were impressive plays. The two that he made behind the line of scrimmage. And what's amazing is he only played. 38% of the team snaps. No, 38 snaps, 52%. No, I was right. 28 snaps, 38% of the team's defensive plays, uh, plus 18 more snaps on special teams. Um, so the, the productivity there was pretty awesome. I, he's such a weird – it feels to me like he should be awesome, and he's frequently not. Like, I don't it, – it's like the only time he makes plays is like there's a run blitz, and he's like st- – head full of steam and like he can blow something up but that's the only time he's making plays yeah a majority of the plays that i that i thought were standout plays on defense were calls from petten that really set up the play mm-hmm. um and antonio morrison is a guy where if if it's not a call like you're saying he can go entire sundays where he's mia yeah uh, but i still like him more than martinez just because martinez just sits back and waits he never yeah. makes a yeah. A play other than one that comes to him, which mm-hmm. you can't rely on anything like that. So I would like to see him get more snaps than Martinez, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, they're, I'm not sold on either one of them yet. Um, your other blue chip player from this game, cornerback Tony Brown, I thought. Uh, you're going you're gonna to have to go with that. I actually, he is my worst rated Packer on Sunday. Serious? Yeah. I, what, was, what, did, what stuck out for you? Just like... He, okay, he broke up two passes, I believe, and, like, he just hustles out there, and, like, there, there are tackles downfield that are obviously, like, way down the field, but, I mean, he plays in the secondary. He's not going to be making plays, like, behind the line of scrimmage. Like, he'll chase people down, like, who aren't even, like, his responsibility out there. That I could see. I I don't really often if there's a play down the field I'm just done with the play I don't really credit a guy even if he's going someplace he doesn't necessarily need to be going I just I was un, I was unimpressed by him on Sunday but nine tackles in in, in your defense and uh, maybe in my own defense give me a break there were there were no two 
blue chippers. So yes, we will we I, will acknowledge that in, in the. How many times have we done this? The the rich. Yeah, like, oh, I know we're just making excuses for our own picks. But I I don't know. I kind of this one. I didn't was, see that was one. really bad and. And we yeah, gotta, so now we got to come to the red chips. And if, if you think chipper, Tony Brown gone. is laughable, here we go. Brian Balaga, the right tackle, who I thought actually played all right. Yeah, he was the, the he was for me. He would have been my second blue chipper. Okay. But yeah, red chip. That's I can I can see that. He had uh, four positive plays out of the nineteen that I scored on Sunday. All right. He was the the only one that had more. Him and Lindsley were the only uh, linemen that had more positive plays than negative ones. Yeah, um, I, th- I thought he played well. Like, besides you know making excuses and saying about how crappy the whole game was, no, he played well for any Sunday. I thought he he did well. Yeah. He was the one guy out there that wasn't falling on his face in the line. When when Brian Balog is healthy, he's awesome. The problem is he's frequently injured. Right, and I know there's been a lot of discussion when uh, or, or uh, tweets coming in saying. Well, you know, what are we going to do with Balaga? People down on him because of the injury factor. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'll take, I'll take the him healthy half the year versus, I mean, you saw the other guys we had out yeah, there. I know. I don't want them healthy all year in, 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 their, in his stead, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so here's the interesting one. Um, I went, my, my other red chip here. Wide receiver Alan Lazard. Packers just signed him two weeks ago. Played one offensive snap. Had one catch for seven yards. I mean, he's on a pace to be a Hall of Fame ride receiver. Okay, now I know where you're going with this. When you, when I saw that, one, I was like, I didn't even know this was a human. I, I didn't even know that was yes. a person. How do you not know Alan Lazard? I was like, Eddie Izzard. Who, who is this? Alan Lazard. One snap, one catch. Oh well, I mean, if we're gonna do that, then. Then Matt Prater is on pace to be, you know, <laughs> the, the best quarterback yeah, of all time. Move over, Dan Marino. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there you go. I, I did give honorable mention here to Dean Lowry, who I thought he, he got his hand on two passes. He did all right. Yep. First two plays of the uh, or first two snaps he had a, of the game. He was he was making plays, yeah. and after that, he kind of disappeared. Yeah. But that was still enough. Honorable <laughs> mention. <laughs> All right, your cow chips, the worst of the worst here. Cornerback Josh J- Jackson, who is arguably responsible for all three touchdown passes that the Lions had, and the special and I don't teams know about won. the special teams. I mean, but that was bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on, if you're on the edge and you see a guy just roaming <laughs> out there. And you don't even, like, react. And what were the coaches doing? You think someone, they're all so, uh, call a timeout or something. Nobody even saw it. Yeah. It was just uh, pretty much a, a nice little snapshot of the day. Has Ron Zook been fired yet? Exactly. <laughs> what are we waiting for on there? I don't know. <laughs> we don't even need a coach that to do better than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, your other couch player from this game. David Bakhtiari, and I know people like love David Bakhtiari, and it's probably not his fault. It's probably like the coaches for even having him out there on the field. But like, why was he? I mean, if if you're out on the field, you got to be responsible for yourself. <laughs> and he was, I mean, he was bad. Yeah, he was clearly playing injured. Like rewatching the game, like the first false start he had early in the first quarter. Yeah. The way he reacted afterwards is like he's in a daze. It was like he was punch drunk. It's like, 
obviously the players always want to go out there and play for the most part. I mean, Martellus Bennett aside. And, and here we got a, a guy out there who can, he can't even, he can't play the position. He couldn't play. I mean, not against, nothing against him. He clearly was re-injured that hip flexor. Yeah. He couldn't, he had no lateral movement. And the coach is just like, oh, whatever. Like, we're going to hem and haw over whether or not Aaron Rodgers should have played healthy in a meaningless game. And then we're going to have a lineman out there who is a very, uh, you know, he's like the cornerstone of our offensive line. We're going to let him out there play injured. Like, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, d- dishonorable mention to anyone on the left side of the offensive line, whether it was Bakhtiari, whether it was uh lucas patrick whether it was lane taylor whether it was mccray filling in for bakhtiari <laughs> they were all hot garbage yeah there were a couple of plays where i think if you would just lay down and make them jump over you it would have been <laughs> that would have been better better prevention yeah. than oh my goodness it was rough the left side was terrible all right uh we're gonna stop there we're gonna get andrew mertig of packerstalk.com on the phone here uh, for some more Packers analysis and more coaching talk coming up. Baltar, find me another expert. One that likes me this time, okay? Joining us right now on Railbird Central is Andrew Mertig of PackersTalk.com. Andrew, how you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. You bet. We're glad to have you on the show once again. It's been a while, but... Uh, we we don't have Railbird Central quite as often as we did back then anyway, but uh, we're glad to talk to you, Andrew. Let's talk about a lot of these things that have been going on with the Green Bay Packers. I want to briefly take a look at this last game here and, and the concussion to Aaron Rodgers. Did did that kind of uh, – uh, did, did that tell you in this game that the Packers should have maybe sat him to begin with? Well, that's an interesting question. I, I was really on board with – Rodgers the second that the Packers were eliminated from the playoffs. Not only do I think you're taking a chance with the health of the most expensive asset in all of football, but you don't get to see what you have in Deshaun Kaiser as an asset. And yeah, Kaiser didn't look great on Sunday, but he also didn't get the practice reps that he should have during the week. One of the things that I had mentioned on Friday's episode of the Pack Day podcast is the Packers lost an incredible amount of draft capital by winning against the Jets. And they took a look at that against the day, and because that win vaulted them from the 8th to the 12th pick, if you use the draft trade value chart to assess the difference across the, the seven rounds of the draft, that equates to losing a second-round pick, which is a really big deal. And so I don't know if the injury means the decision was right or wrong, but all we I heard about this great forward momentum the Jets' victory gave them, and then watched Green Bay come out super flat against the Vikings or against the Lions, I should say. Um, and that was even when we're playing. I'm all for packing it in. Playoffs are out of reach, and I came to accept that they were going to play to win, even though I didn't love it. But there seemed to be a lot of inconsistencies, which meant the Packers ended up playing the middle ground. And I am just not a believer in being mediocre. If you're going to lose, lose big and give your young guys a shot at real action and don't put your biggest investment and biggest commodity at risk. Interesting thoughts on the uh, loss of draft capital. Uh, Never thought of it that way before. 
Um, how do you feel, Andrew, about uh, Devontae Adams finishing one catch short of the franchise record? Should should the Packers have worked harder to get him one more catch in the Jets game or something? I, I don't know. I just feel bad for Devontae Adams after such a good year. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little little divided by this one. Um, and on one hand, I went to the game on Sunday, and so there wasn't much to look forward to, and I thought maybe Adams getting the record would be <laughs> The one thing people could look forward to, and you were robbed of it. Right. And, you know, and on the other hand, I'm not sure that I have quite the same passion towards some of these records that others, others do. Even if Devontae breaks Sterling Sharp's record, um, would anybody who is around in 1993 consider – Adam's season as good as Sharp's. I mean, when I look back on it, Sharp's was historic, and he was on the leading edge of the revolution of the NFL passing game, while Adams is definitely an elite receiver in the modern game. So there's differences, and I think there's plenty of room to appreciate both players, but I'm not sure that breaking the record necessarily you know, tells whether or not we should appreciate the kind of season that Devontae has had and the kind of player that he's really turned into. Good point there. Um, Andrew, Kyler Fackrell got double-digit sacks in the season finale. How do you feel about his season in retrospect? Well, it's appropriate that you'd ask me a Kyler Fackrell question um, because I was on the bandwagon that Kyler should have been cut before the season started, and so I probably have to be the conductor on the Kyler Fackrell apology train. I hate He's definitely been a revelation this season and probably is considered a building block on the defense. I was under the assumption the Packers were going to go in the offseason with zero edge rushers on the roster or at least one that have actual game experience. And um, I'm still of the opinion that they should go after a couple of edge rushers in free agency and maybe another one in the early rounds of the draft. But Backfield is going to be part of the rotation and, and maybe even a starter. And he's earned that. Because if you look at the Lions game, they were double-teaming him consistently. And he, he turned into a pretty darn good edge rusher, uh, despite what I may have thought of him earlier in his career. Speaking of edge rushers, um, there's a whole lot of Packers players that become free agents in the offseason. But I, I just want to focus on two names here. One of them, edge rusher Clay Matthews, and the other, Randall Cobb. In your opinion, Andrew, are they back next season? I think a lot of that is going to depend on if they're willing to accept a team-friendly deal. Uh, for me, Clay, early in the year, he showed he can still beat one-on-one blocking, even at his age, but he really wore down as the year went on. For me, if I was going to just pitfall a number, I'd say maybe a one-year, $4 million deal. And quite frankly, he's probably worth more than that on the open market to a team like maybe the, the Patriots or Ravens or Steelers or Broncos, those, those kind of teams that know how to sign a veteran edge rusher and put them into a situ- situational position instead of using them consistently and letting them get, them get worn down. Um, I'd also be willing to go a little bit higher with Randall Cobb, maybe like a one-year $5 million deal. I keep forgetting how young Randall Cobb is. He's still only 28 years old, and we've seen similar receivers going to play really well into their 30s. I just, I, I can see another team willing to make a bigger investment in him since the Packers have Marquez Valdez-Scanlon and Equinemius St. Brown waiting in the wings to, to kind of take some of that playing time that Cobb would normally have. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on Randall Cobb. He is young, but 
he's not exactly fast and not beating a lot of people. Um, but he's not chopped liver. It's not like I don't think he shouldn't be in the NFL. Interesting. Right. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. I think it really just depends on that cap number. Yeah, that could come down to that. Uh, Andrew, what do you think of Pat Fitzgerald today, uh, staying put at Northwestern and apparently taking himself out of the running for the Packers job search, at least if you're going upon his comments after the Holiday Bowl uh, that was just uh, played yesterday? Yeah, I tried to get either like really positive or really negative about this, but honestly I'm sort of in the middle. He, he was relatively low on my list of preferred candidates. I do think he's a really good coach. But to me, he doesn't move the needle one way or the other very much, and so he would be kind of an uninspiring hire to me. I've never found his team schemes to be particularly creative, and he is a defensively focused coach, which is interesting. Um, and for me personally, when I look at teams like the Eagles and the Rams, they've, played, they've uh, laid out a pretty good script to follow. You, you go out, you hire a good young offensive mind as your head coach, and you support them with a veteran defensive coordinator. And maybe that's Mike Pettin, or maybe it's a different veteran defensive coordinator, but I really like that model. So to me, I think Fitzgerald saw some of the other names and some of the, you know, the uh, uh, steep hill he would have had to climb to get the job. And maybe he realized it probably wasn't going to happen and decided to bow out. He gets some loyalty from the Northwestern fans and maybe a new contract with a little bit more money. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, I think Pat Fitzgerald is kind of just considered a legend there and, and could be at Northwestern for gosh darn near forever, uh, or at least a, quite a long time at a place like that, and he overachieves and does well with them. So maybe he he enjoys that, and uh, yep. maybe the stability of that in his family uh, is important to him. Uh, before you go here, Andrew, do you have a prediction on who the next Packers head coach will be then? If, if I had to stay today, I would probably go with Josh McDaniel. Um, and I understand the reluctancy there. People are going to get nervous because of how things went in the U.S. offseason. But he's really designed the offense in New England that has allowed Tom Brady to be successful, even after some of his physical tools have regressed. And I think that's something that should be appealing to most Packer fans. I think he learned a lot from his time in Denver, and he's definitely not going to be saddled with a general manager who is going to force Tim Tebow on him this time around. So, um, you know, early early uh, reactions would be Josh McDaniels. I do like Matt LaFleur. Um, his role in revamping the Rams' offense last year was really impressive, and now he has a year as the uh, play caller in Tennessee. You could probably sell me on Dan Campbell, but um, I definitely think McDaniel is the early favorite, not only because of his experience, but he also has some ties to Brian Gutekunst. Interesting. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, you write a Packers talk. You were doing the Pack of the Pack a Day podcast. Any other irons in the fire you want to plug? Um, no, that's it. Today was my very last Packers talk article. Um, I'm going to be dedicating a little bit more of my time to some of my professional endeavors and then also the Pack a Day podcast. All right. Well, congratulations with uh, your run there at Packers Talk. Uh, sad to see your writing go away, but uh, wish you all the best of luck, all right? Well, thanks again for having me, Brian. You bet. Take care. You too. Andrew Murdig of PackersTalk.com. 
And the Pack-A-Day podcast joining us here at Railbird Central on the Tuesday evening at Beer Rock. Beer Rock, Ben, hey. an official Packers bar now, oh, recognized yeah. by the organization. Thank goodness. Yeah, we got like this letter signed by Mark Murphy. Were you getting any pressure before that? Were they like, uh, you know, like throwing bricks through the window or anything? <laughs> like when they saw you had the game on or no? Didn't get that. What, so what's the, what's the main perk here? A little, little publicity? I guess. You're listed on the Packers Everywhere website, so when people look for Packers Bar, they can find you. All right. Yeah. I hope, I hope that uh, some, some real weirdos that are, like, visiting the Madison area come in here. You know, like some guy from <laughs> Toledo who's, like, been a Packer fan since the Mikowski days. Yeah. And I can tell him about uh, the times that uh, Mikowski came into some bar in Milwaukee that my uh, friend used to work at, and he'd be stone drunk saying the weirdest things. Yeah? Oh, yeah. All right. He's a weird guy. Okay. This is kind of hearsay. He might, you know, who knows? <laughs> how, how small is the community of Cheesehead TV? There's a chance Mikowski might be out there. And he could be listening. Yeah. And he might be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, from uh, uh, it's our mailbag segment time, uh, last one of the year, from Michael Nicolescu on Twitter. He asks, my question is if the Packers would consider Joe Philbin or Mike Pet- Petton for the head coaching position, or if the Packers will go with a college coach or NFL coordinator. I don't see either of those guys being the coach. I think Philbin, he's, he's not going to be paid anything more than lip service. I don't think that's, I don't even know if that's what Philbin would want. But, and I think Petten's got a better chance of maintaining his defensive coordinator status, and even that looks kind of slim just because of how that typically goes. You bring your guys in. So I, I, I hope Petten stays around. I kind of like what he's been able to do with very little talent. Yeah. So do you, you, you feel like there's any chance either of those guys are head coach next year of no. the Packers? I, I think it, the, the odds of that are fairly slim. I, I don't know if Michael was going for this, but I mean the, the way his question is worded, he's like, "Would you go with a college coach or NFL coordinator? Is there like a preference there at all?" I don't between like between those two. I think you take an added risk anytime you bring a college coach to the NFL who hasn't coached there before, yeah. because there's so many differences in the game. It's a whole different mentality. It's a whole different yeah. world. So you tend to go with the NFL. Guy. I, I like that. I like bringing yeah. in a coordinator who's who's been in the that culture you know you don't yeah it's one less culture shock to have to deal with i'll say this right i've said it before on a previous episode if there's one head coach who kind of inspires me out there it's david shaw of stanford i just see him as like a leader like i don't know like i just feel like he's the kind of guy that people might respect and like i don't care if you coach college you coach nfl you drink his Kool-Aid. I'm just, like, uninspired by all these names that are thrown out there. Yeah. I think they're too much of uh, money ball guys. Then you're just weak-kneed money ball guys that, that aren't twisting your noodle. I don't know. Is that a phrase? <laughs> there's always, like, I, there yeah. seems to be, like, if you're going to be a head coach of the Packers, you better have coached in the Bay Area in California before that. <laughs> like... McCarthy and Sherman and and uh, Holmgren, they all came from, well, maybe not Sherman, but. Hey, it's a whole new Packers organization. We're firing coaches midseason. Come it's on, get on the train. New, new, new era. All right, two similar questions from Michael Klink and Clint, who is uh, Pack Rules 1978 on Twitter. Uh, first, the question from Michael, 
what type of head coach would be best for the Packers? A managing head coach like Mike Tomlin, who lets the coordinators make the play calls, or an offensive-minded coach that runs the offense and play calls similar to what McCarthy did? And then here's Clint's question, which is kind of similar. In your opinion, do you see the disciplinarian head coach or more of a peer coach working with best to get Rodgers on board with change? I mean, if Rodgers is, is that entrenched that we need to, like, get a certain type of guy in there to, to have him get on board with it, I feel like it's kind of lost, you know, if he's got that level of prima donna or ego going on. So let's just throw that one out because I feel like we're already sunk if he's if we're going to have to, like, gear it towards him. I hope that that can't be it, you know? <laughs> I, I kind of feel like maybe they're going to bend to Rodgers' will, though. There's part of me that kind of feels that way i mean you want to get a guy in like like we were just like you were just discussing about um you bring in the guy from uh, I, i'm having a brain brain fart the guy from uh, new england that we've been talking about all day and i still somehow can't remember on, on my new year's day uh, drunkenness <laughs> mcdaniels you bring him in yeah it's like yeah he's he's been dealing with a talented veteran quarterback who's aging and has very little talent surrounding him or not little but limited you know he'd be able to utilize Rodgers a little better. But I don't think you want to get a guy in just because Rodgers is going to like that. That's not going to take you places. You know, so whether it's a disciplinarian or, 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 or a peer, like, I don't think that should matter. And if it does, I feel like you're kind of screwed, you know, because your quarterback's running the, sh- the show, which yeah. you can't have. Um, but as far as... Do you want a managing head coach or do you want a, a coordinator that makes a play call? I feel that that's kind of like when you get questions about who you should draft, and it depends on the talent that's out there when you're making your, your draft pick. There are some guys that, like a Holmgren, who excel when they're, when they're able to make all the, sh- all the calls. You know, and I think if you got a guy like that, then you go that route. If you got a guy who's more like Tomlin, who is just being the leader and has guys that are making the calls, then you go that route. You know, I don't know if we... We would need to get an offensive coordinator in there. We don't have one right now, yeah. you know. So I feel like it, maybe it's better if we get a coach that can do that. Yeah. Otherwise, we're trying to fill two two spots. Yeah, I I really do feel like you gotta like sit in on these interviews to like know about these head coaches and their philosophies and how they're they're going to run things. Like, I could literally see myself being swayed by somebody who has an awesome interview and like just has the the vision that I could get on board with. Are you gonna go with? If you're in that interview, do you go with the canned questions of, like, if you were able to take company pencils, would you consider that stealing? You know, if they're able to answer that question properly, are you, is that what you mean? That'd be interesting to hear the interview questions being asked. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, man. Yeah. What, is your, what is your biggest weakness? Oh, my God. <laughs> I work too hard. Yes. Sometimes I work I, too hard. Sometimes I take it home. <laughs> Question from uh, Steve Weber on Twitter. Another, uh, of course, everybody's mind is on the coaching search here. Thoughts on optimal head coach coordinator pairings? Oh, my goodness. Well, I feel like we're kind of covering the same ground, so maybe I'm going to you know, bring in a little different spice here. I think uh, whatever it is that Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick got going on, that it just seems like in the world of Hollywood to be able to make a relationship like that last, like, I think that says a lot. If we need to find out what they got going and, and pair accordingly. Yeah. Isn't it impressive? <laughs> Man, the kind of meat that you must come across in that world. 
I mean, I... To g- not be swayed. <laughs> I do feel like... I don't know how realistic this is or not, and probably not realistic at all, but, like, if you were to feel like a guy like Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, defensive-minded kind of guy, if you feel like he can be the leader in the of his organiz- the organization and you pair him with an offensive mind like Adam Gase, who was just fired there in Miami, man, that would be an awesome pairing. It could be. Uh, sure. I don't think it's realistic, but. There's a lot of people that just got canned, so <laughs> there's a lot of names we can mash together. We should, we should have got like a head coach like pairing, you know, like uh, algorithm. Yeah. Just a randomizer. Randomizer. Yeah. There we go. Um, question from Nico uh, Technics87 on Twitter. Uh, is Mike Daniels in his prime still? Interesting no. question here. I feel like we didn't get uh, as big of a sample size as you'd like to make this uh, decision with that foot injury. He, he got 10 games in this year. But I still, even so, I still feel like the answer is no. I think that's forever going to be 2015 was his prime year i feel like we're dealing with a a guy that's come down a couple notches not that i'm that concerned about it yeah i mean we've got so many holes i think mike daniel is not one of those to be that concerned about i think he's still functional highly functional and but i don't think he's in his prime at the moment yeah a year or two ago may have been the the peak but i still think he's a very serviceable player and and maybe quite above average so especially considering he's going to be playing next to kenny clark who is looking fantastic yeah keep him healthy and anyone standing next to him is going to look pretty darn good yeah i i hope by the way that the packers re-sign muhammad wilkerson in the offseason i'd like to see that i mean that shouldn't be a too big of a hit to the cap either probably not um question from cj kell O three on Twitter. If the draft were held today, which player would you want the Packers to target at number twelve? I mean, I have a moral revulsion to college football, so I'm going to have to pass the <laughs> uh, the mic to you here. I, and I honestly have no clue. Like uh, a few years ago, I maybe could have like had an idea for you because <laughs> like, you you've been you've been tweeting out like uh top prospects from I every have. bowl game so yeah, far yeah well how the, about the problem is it's like changed now so like half every good college player who's like a first or second round pick is like sitting out oh i see what you're saying <laughs> what what about if we took out the limited to those likely available parentheses and just keep it reasonable if you had you have a wish you have a like a wish list i mean Positions. I uh, the I think the Packers got. I I was going to say go defense. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess who you take the best player available. I mean, at certain positions, you just had a swooning panic trying to fill all our holes (sighs) with one draft pick. Yeah, I I I am. I mean, they need safeties. They need outside linebackers. They need offensive linemen. They need tight ends. They arguably need inside linebackers, like, and then we're practically covering the whole roster right there. Well, pull the cardboard Kelly Kapowski out from under the bed and tell us who that draft pick is. <laughs> Come on, who's your dream? I I don't know if I have a dream. the The inside linebacker from LSU is pretty good, Devin White. There we go. I wrung it out of him, Cheesehead Nation. So Devin White, we'll see. I he's good. Whether or not he's available, I. 
haven't paid that close of attention to. Um, question from Dead Grateful on Twitter. Uh, last question of the, the season here. Are the Packers the new Browns? Hardly any NFL talent on the roster. Can they trade McCarthy's old pontoon sweatshirt for Taysom Hill? All right. We got we to. Gotta, this is a two-parter. We're cutting it in half. Zoop. Left side. Are the Packers the new Browns? The answer, I think, Tim Couch. We're letting Tim, the Couch Browns, off the hook too early, Tim Couch, quickly here because, Tim Couch, they, <laughs> they're a year away from a winless year. They're, there were three years where there were more Star Wars movies than they had wins. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? A Lambo has never had a game called because, uh, before the final whistle because people were throwing bottles onto the field. Um, oh, oh, also, wake me up when we move to Baltimore or have a lineman blinded by a ref. We're not the Browns yet. Yeah. You know, I mean, whew. I mean, in Dead Grateful's defense, you know, he's a pretty sharp tack. We are a worse team than the Browns right now. Oh, <laughs> that, oh, that, were the Packers that was a shudder. Of, were the Packers of the 70s and 80s the Browns? Perhaps. Yeah. I mean, the Browns, oh, my goodness, talk about a real bad franchise for a yeah. long time. I mean, let's not go crazy here. What, they have seven wins this year? I did lose money betting against the Browns this year. I said they wouldn't have more than five wins. But even so, I'm not going that far. Come Baker on. Baker Mayfield, baby. Yeah, he got stuck under a flag before a game started. <laughs> okay, we're not the Browns yet, all right? So the, the other part of the question here from oh, yes, Dead yes, Grateful? Yes. Oh, the, about, the, uh, about McCarthy's old pontoon sweatshirt? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. As for McCarthy's ample cotton garb, um, I, actually, I heard that Rather than Taysom Hill, a Cirque du Soleil is willing to trade us an aged clown in exchange for what would become the rolling hills in the background of the traveling shows. That's what they like. That's what they want his shirt for. And the <laughs> physical comedy of this guy would be a way better distraction for defenses than Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham or Equinemia St. Brown. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. you get this guy out there. Like some of the things he can do. Like he can put an he can do that thing where he put the coin in his ear and it comes out his mouth. But it's like it's like <laughs> seven, it's like seventy dollars worth of quarters. Just come flowing out of his mouth? <laughs> you kidding me? That would that would pull the safety in. <laughs> Let Scantling streak on that play. That's a TD. Now whether or not Kaiser or, or Rogers could get it to him, that's another question. But there you go, there you go, folks. So Ben, in retrospect, I mean, we we got nothing to preview here. How, how was the first season of Railbird Central? Oh, I mean, it was a. Uh, it was a roller coaster thrill ride for me. It was like the, it's like, which I think is off the back of the uh, rock VHS that I have on my bookshelf. Yeah. If you take any of the, the Sun Times reviews off the back of a Nick Cage movie, that's my reaction to it. It's, it's been, uh, it's a growing opportunity for me. I don't often talk this much. I don't think anyone out there listening would think that, but I normally don't. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to start crying, guys. I'm going to start crying. It's been an honor. Thanks to anyone who uh, listened and tolerated my my rambling. Yeah. Thanks to the listeners out there for uh, giving us a chance here. Uh, It's been uh, different Railbird Central going from three times a week to once a week. Oh, three times a week. Man, what did you talk about? 
On a, on a week like this, what would you talk about we, three times? Oh, man. We, we There was a lot more analysis of, like, the practice squad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. You got that. that deep. Like, you would have hey, you the, known the number 12. The Packers pick. yesterday made 10 future signings, uh, all the practice squad players. You know, we, we okay. would have, like, gone in depth on stuff Way like in that. Depth. Yeah. The people listening to that show would have been, <laughs> they would have been after me. They would have the pitchforks out. <laughs> this guy just mentioned Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> Ah, Win- yeah. Are we uh, having a winning season next next year? That's a good question. Um, I don't know how to answer that. Okay, I'm going to give the, uh, the over-under six wins. <laughs> six wins? Yeah, I'll make a gentleman's I'll go over pack. on that. Okay, we're going to have more than six wins. Yeah, I can, I can go over on that. Whether it's over eight or not, I'm a little more skeptical on, but I can... And how do you see the rest of this season playing out? Not that most Packer fans care here, but how, how do you have the uh, Super Bowl? I, I do you want to make a prediction there? Uh, it just disappoints me so much that the Packers made this, you know, move to get, get the first rounder from the New Orleans Saints, and of course it looks like they're going to win the freaking Super Bowl, and we're going to get the last pick in the first round. So I guess I'm cheering against the Saints, but I don't know. It's whatever it's they've already made the playoffs so it's like we're picking like 20 onward regardless of how they do you know what's really sad is like we have this fecal of a season and we only get the 12th pick like come on the clowns (laughs) out there like we lost to the cardinals all right at least they could do is win a couple games man a 12th pick with pain like this imagine actually being like a browns fan Okay, no, that's what <laughs> dead grateful. Just think about that. Just think about that when you start comparing us to the Browns. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this show. Probably it. Uh, we'll maybe have an episode during the NFL draft or something like that. Stay tuned. I'll announce it on social media, stuff like that. Twitter. If, Give us a follow. If you're going to put me on that show, it's just going to. All I'm going to do is have like the Mel Kiper hair report. <laughs> it's him and then the, the friction between Susie Colbert and like some odd look from Joe Namath is like all I'm going to be able to, to bring to you to that one. Yeah, we'll see. Stay Maybe tuned. We'll have you be the sideline reporter that the, day. the streaking that he's got, the skunking <laughs> yeah. that he's got going up top, and the well coiffed. It's incredible. Yeah. I'll try to do a little more NFL draft prep between now and April. So, all right. We'll see ya. That does it for the season. Mercifully, uh, for the Green Bay Packers fans out there and not just fans of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll see you later. I leave you today with a song called uh, Different Light by Steve Winwood on Psy Fidelity Records. Go Pack Go!